This podcast was made on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Wax Lyrical pays respect to Elders now and of the past. Peace, brothers and sisters. Join me today on Wax Lyrical, where I explore mostly moist areas. There's a rock pool erotica, a great tale of eels, and a wetland soundscape. My name is Argle Blooms, and I welcome you into wetness.
The Touching Pool by Gigi Rizzi. I thought it would be a good idea to go to the aquarium. I wanted to take photos of the touching pool, thinking that there were layers of meaning to be found there. It had always been my favourite part as a child, most specifically the anemones. Not only the texture of velvet slime, but with a hole to boot. An access point to investigate, sticky tentacles to tease and tangle with, but never outright stick the finger in. Surely there were teeth waiting there. It was the ultimate scenario, really. There they would be after a long morning's traipse, these delightfully formless organisms, served up on a platter, ready to satiate the pent-up urges that come with viewing exotic specimens trapped behind glass. I did now understand how fucked up the touching pool was, although maybe I had always known and either way, its appeal was still there. But guilt-ridden or not, all this touching and yearning was interesting. I had this idea to capture just the people's hands interacting with the pool, show them as fragmented forms, meeting other fragmented forms in a fragmented frame, becoming organisms of their own, descending on the most formless and inanimate of sea creatures, as if through touching, Something could be bridged, understood, possessed, but the hands themselves existing as alienated entities. I thought about the sea anemones. What a strange fate to be subjected to. The ultimate animal-object hybrids, probably eternally confused from overstimulation and heavy petting. I wondered what it felt like. Was there a possibility that it could be pleasurable? No doubt their state of being had been significantly messed with, and maybe in some way, like me, they enjoyed being dominated, at the mercy of touch. The instant wetness that comes with that loss of control. Why do I draw such immense pleasure from it? Being an object, toy, victim. You could say a result of fucked up conditioning from the patriarchy, but that feels quite boring. It seems to be so much more. What if, in the big yin-yang picture of things, a will to surrender was just as persistent as a will to power? Definitely, I feel there is a desire to. Could that be it then? Was it something to do with the ecstasy found in becoming nothing but joining with everything. Whilst having these thoughts, I was very aware that none of them applied to a sea anemone, yet in thinking them, I was able to feel a sense of closeness. Not in an intimate sense, but an overwhelmingly vast one. Like how the earth might feel in relation to Saturn. Like there is all this unbridgeable darkness between them, there they are, fixed in the same orbit. Sea anemones on the brain, I was trying in vain to take photos of a stingray's privates pushed up against the glass, but the flash wouldn't turn off, so that all I was getting would be a reflection of myself. I was struggling for a different angle when I rounded the corner, and all of a sudden it reared up before me.
the touching pool. I was thrown because it seemed to have taken a new shape entirely. Gone was the Buxton Petri dish crammed with life. This was Discovery Rock Pool. A synthetic coastline topography, low enough to the ground that only small children could be dignified and sticking their hands in. It was a barren, uninspiring scene. The highlights were a few shark eggs and one brittle-looking starfish moulded to the furthest corner. Nothing to touch here. timeless worlds of space. No one could have dreamed we were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility of life on other planets. And yet, across the gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to ours 
regarded this earth with envious eyes, and slowly and surely they drew their plans against us.
following article was sourced from smh.com.au. A Very Fast Drain to the South Pacific by Heath Aston. It is a migration that would make David Attenborough's jaw drop, and it all begins in a murky pond in the heart of Sydney. The eels of Centennial Park may be among the city's least attractive native residents, but the journey they take to breed is nothing less than astonishing. Once in its life, every eel in Sydney gets the urge to reproduce.
during a rainy autumn, they set off from Centennial Park and cross into Randwick Racecourse. The eels slither part of the way over land, but mostly stick to stormwater drains and other watercourses. As the long-finned eels get closer to Botany Bay, their gills begin to change in preparation for salt water, and their eyes enlarge. They travel through swamps alongside Southern Cross Drive, before entering Botany Bay at Sydney Airport's third runway. That journey seems remarkable enough for an eel that may have spent up to 30 years, for the females, in the same sleepy pond, but it's only the prelude to a 2,000 kilometre swim to New Caledonia. unsurprisingly, the exhausted adult eels die once they have spawned their offspring. But then another remarkable thing happens. When the eggs hatch, they begin to float south on ocean currents. They start as small gum-leaf-shaped larvae growing into see-through glass eels, a stage that protects them from predators in the sea, before becoming juvenile elvers as they reach the east coast of Australia. 
Driven by instinct, the eels locate Botany Bay, swim back up through the ponds, across the golf courses, through the drain pipes, across Royal Randwick, and then into Centennial Park to start a life in the shadows of the lilies. Mark Sacombe, an eel enthusiast who coordinates the 180 volunteers that take care of Centennial Park, said it was not by chance that the eels arrived in these ponds. They've probably been doing it for millions of years. The entire area of the park was part of a chain of wetlands that ran down to Botany. European settlement has put some obstacles in their way, but they find their way.
Thanks for listening. If you could hit subscribe, that would really help us reach our monthly target of 10 million subscribers. Oh, and just before I go, one quick shout out to The Sun for making this all possible. I'll leave you now with a poem. Scotch Fingers by Algal Blooms Under those huge Norfolk Island pines at Bronte, away from the lines of swell and rumble, cushioned by needles and soft green grass, you blurted that you thought you were polyamorous. And it hurt. I don't want to share you like a scotch finger. I want to dip you in milky tea and suck you all into me.